My name is uh, Blessing Makumbe, so I'm one of the elders here in Reading Family Church. And also welcome to those online as well. It is a huge privilege to share the word of God. I think it's, it's something that I don't take for granted and always really treasure. And I hope that you also treasure it, listening to the word of God and hearing what God is saying and really working through in our midst as well. I love my church. I always love by starting to, to remind myself that I really love my church. I love how we do uh, our services, so communion. Today, I really just loved chewing that bread. Uh, it reminded me of uh, the crushing that was taking place on the cross for Christ. So that was just a beautiful gesture I just had in worship as I was uh, having communion. But, but there are a lot of facets that I love about the church, some that we're going to talk about as well today as we go through the book of, uh, of Titus. Before I jump into this book, I really just feel this morning that we are a church that's most of us are about to join the motorway and we've been driving maybe in gear number two. It is time to change the gears now. You can't go into the motorway and remain in gear number two. We need to go into five, six, pick up momentum. And, and this morning I'm going to challenge us a little bit more to, to really pick up that momentum, to step in and trust God for what he has for us. You, you cannot remain in gear number two, 30, 20 miles on the motorway when everyone else is going uh, 70. You cause accidents and chaos uh, in the midst of everyone, everything else that's happening. So my, my hope and trust this morning is that gears will change in, in and amongst us. So I'm going to pray and trust that it will be God who will minister to us this morning. Less about my words, I don't have good words, more about him, and that we'll see the demonstration and the, the, the power of God come in our midst this morning. Father, I just pray and I ask that your will be done this morning, that you speak to our hearts, that you open our hearts to receive the word, and that God indeed we will see a change in our lives, that we do not remain the same we were two years ago to today to five years later, but that the word of God will come and transform and change us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been uh, looking at this book of uh, Titus, really, really uh, engaging book, just three chapters, but we've done it nice and slow, so we unpack it uh, and we see what is in it. I think we've gone through a lot of context, we have seen some beautiful pictures that it was an island, uh, which was sort of very strategic because ships would get into this island so it's a piece of, uh, of land that a lot of people who were, especially those who are in the sailing industry, would have loved also to pass through. We have also learned they used to pay tax. Uh, Sean really explained that well, in, in, into another nation. But one of the things that I love about, uh, about this place, uh, Crete, is uh, it, it was also, some say, the, the place where this god called Zeus, the god of thunder, uh, was born. Uh, that, that's what is believed, that he was born in, in Crete. And they would have believed in, uh, in Zeus, and Zeus was well known, he was a god of thunder, but also was well known for his seductive nature, for the things that he used to do. He was well known also even for rewarding for hard work, and they would have come and understood that. And then it seems as though when the book is written, there's an understanding of Christianity, uh, but then Titus, who has been sent by Paul, is coming to clarify a few things for them. So how I, I see this book, I, I, sort of on a high level, di dividing it into three, there is the whole church organization piece that we started with. So looking at elders, how the church needs to be, to be set up, so the, the, the whole construction of the church. We spent some time looking at the qualities of eldership and really encouraging us as a church to step in, uh, desire these qualities of, uh, of eldership. 
And then there's the, the sound doctrine piece that, that they spend. So really going deep into, into doctrine. So what, what is Christianity all about? So correcting some of the, the understanding that would have been there. And then there's the last piece, which I'll call just really uh, working good works that need to come out, holy living that needs to come out of us uh, that, that we also are now looking at as well. So I, I just want to build up on top of that um, and also reflect on what was preached last week and also building from what Richard had, had preached. I think uh, Liz did a brilliant message last week. I think she unpacked the word of God. That message was so rich. I think it's one of those messages you need to go back you, you, you listen to maybe one or two minutes, you, you pause, you take real deep notes because it was, it was rich in, in content. So I, I encourage you to go back into that message and spend some time reflecting on the goodness and the kindness of God that he has shown us. But one of the words that also stood out for me, or one of the statements that stood out for me, was that righteousness is credited to us. I just love that, the picture that there is nothing that I can do that will take away the righteousness of God that has already been credited to us. So this is a good place to start from, just to remind ourselves that God's righteousness is already credited to us. But there are certain things that we, I think are still good for us that we will find in the text that we're going to read this morning. So I'm going to start by, uh, by reading the, the passage. So it's in Titus chapter 3. I'm going to read is it three or four verses from verse 8 to 11. I think it's four verses, doing my, my maths now. Um, and then we're going to break it down uh, verse by verse and, and look at what God has to say for us this morning. I'll read from the ESV uh, translation. So Titus chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. It says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. I think it's a, it's a beautiful chunk of, uh, of scripture, which has two contrasting uh, pieces of scripture as well that we're going to uh, look at. But before I go into any depth, I just want to start by saying this statement, which I'm going to be repeating throughout the message this morning. And I just want to say that our faith um, does not come or is not dependent on works. Uh, the, the salvation has already been credited to us as we learned. Uh, it came through grace. But that grace also produces good works in us. I think oftentimes we then think we're going to look at it in a, in a little bit more detail. But I think there's something beautiful about that to be reminded that, yes, it has been credited to us by grace, but it also needs to produce good works in us. So I want to just give you a, an example to try and, or, or a story to try and bring that message uh, home. Let, let, let's see if it, if it works. Uh, if it doesn't, we're still going to trust God <laughs> to continue working and speaking to you this morning. So I um, uh, started dating Sarah in 2005. 2006, I, I thought, let me get Sarah. So I took her to my parents' uh, home. We were staying in Cape Town at that particular stage. Um, so I took her home to meet my parents. So she was introduced. I introduced her to my mom and my father. Uh, my mom is, doesn't really waste time to want to know and to engage. So it must have been a few minutes 
uh, she decided that it is time for me to take this girl, that blessing seems to be serious, uh, with, to his uh, room, and also take, him, uh, take her to my brother's room. Uh, so my mom took her to my room, and my room was a little bit upside down. Um, uh, that type of a person who doesn't really understand why people spread the bed in the morning, because you're only going to use it at the end of the day. So <laughs> why should it be already nicely tagged when no one is using it? I, I think there is value when you want to consume it. But anyway, that is me. Uh, and then my brother is on the opposite scale, so his room is nice and tidy. He's, I think they call it OCD, or he, he has... Uh, he has uh, containers that contain, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's his socks and his underwear for that day, and, and then his shirts, when he, when he wears one shirt, it goes at the back, uh, so that he makes sure that he wears the, the, the one that is the most fr fresh, so he doesn't, oh man, I mean, it's complicated how he does it. His spices will be arranged from uh, A to Z, so if you come into his kitchen, you can't just... Uh, you have to put back the spice in, in the alphabetical order that, that, that it is. And so my mom is taking her through, and then my mom explains to, 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 to Sarah and says, you know what, I don't want you to come back and blame me uh, that I, I did not raise this, uh, uh, this son well. You can see two examples of how I've raised my sons, and you are making a choice for yourself that this is, this is the man that you want. And then... Um, Sarah says, yeah, I, I understand, and this is, uh, this is what I, uh, I want. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so now, uh, so now it was clear to her that this is the man uh, a blessing was, and then we got married in 2011, so it's 12 years this year, and by God's grace, we're still together. But why I use that example for me is God knew whom we were, when we came to know him. He knew the weaknesses, he knew the struggles, he knew everything that we had uh, and things that were good and things that were not so good about us. That, were, that was clear up front. There was no surprise in the, <laughs> when we chose and when, we, when he chose us. It was all so clear to him. But after meeting, after knowing each other, I also then started to learn and understand that actually making the bed in the morning seems to have a, a, a very good effect uh, on Sarah. Uh, also cleaning up and, and tidying up and making sure I clean seems to have something beneficial. And over time, I started to realize that it, it did not only have a benefit to her, but it also has a benefit to me. Uh, now all of a sudden, I love uh, some nice uh, tidy spaces. I also think there is value in making your bed in the morning, just uh, the, the, the nice lines, and then you can start your day on a high knowing that you have achieved the very first step of making your bed. There were some good things that started to come out for me as I read that. So I just want to use this also as we dig into Titus chapter 3, uh, verse 8. It says that the saying uh, is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. There are certain things, I, I think this passage is, is in two pieces. There is a piece that is profitable, and then there is a piece that is unprofitable. And the part that is profitable is what he's saying, insist on these things, because they are good and they are profitable for us. Now, there are certain things I want to highlight and bring to our attention as a church that I think are good works, and again repeating that these good things that we're going to talk about have nothing to do with your salvation. That is already credited to you but it produces something good that comes from you. I want to start by talking about certain things that I think 
what would have happened is this message would have landed in Crete. Crete had certain things that were contextualized for them, and they knew the good works and the good things that they, they needed to do. But I want to contextualize it and bring it into, into England, but not only in England, but into Reading Family Church. That what are some of those good works? What are some of those good things that us as a church need to do? Not for our salvation, but because it is good and profitable for us. I want to start by talking about prayer. Uh, prayer, it's something that we are doing. We have created room on a Sunday. So every Sunday evening, we, we create space for us to come and pray. We say, this week we do it online, next week we do it in person. This week we do it online, next week we do it in person. The reason why we did that is so that we could try and cover as many people as, as we could. Those who can come on a, on a Sunday uh, to church can then join the next Sunday online. But it seems as though we're hovering around the 20 mark, 20 people are coming for prayer on a Sunday uh, with a church of over 700. I, 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 I don't know uh, about you, but I think 20 is a little bit too too low a number for us as a church to come and say, let's pray. Now, I want to tell you that when you begin to come to pray communally, things begin to change a little bit also in your way that you pray. Oftentimes when you pray by yourself, you begin, become self-centered and thinking about yourself. When you come and you pray with the community, you start understanding and realizing what is happening beyond your own world. We praise God together. There is something valuable. We need to hear your voice. Your voice is extremely important for us. We need to say hallelujah after you have prayed. It is extremely important uh, for us to hear that. Do not underestimate what God can do through your prayer. That the power of communal prayer is good and is profitable for you. It will take your prayer life to another level that you have never experienced before. Again, your salvation is not dependent on coming to prayer. But when you come, it is profitable for you. It is a good thing for you. It will do your soul well. I also want to talk about oh, even serving as well. We're a church that is growing. We had one service now. We have gone into two uh, services. There are still areas and places that you can come and you can serve. Your salvation is not dependent on you doing some work on a Sunday, but it is profitable for you. You come and you say, I want to be part of this church. I can make a contribution. I can do something. I want to call you for these good works to come and serve with us alongside us. It will do you good. It will profit you. It will leave you in a much, much better place. I had Tim today speak about giving as well. I want to talk a little bit about giving uh, because this is something that personally I have seen God move in all these areas, yes, but also even in giving. I've seen him open floodgates of heaven uh, and do great things that I, I, I still wonder, how is this even possible? I believe there's something beautiful about partnering with the local church that is profitable for you as an individual. I was part of a leadership church in, uh, in South Africa, and, and one time we were doing a study of what was happening with the, with the people in the church and how the money uh, was coming in. And I would be very conscious and aware that on Monday we had a, a members meeting, and some of us would have seen the number of zeros that were there and think that actually this church has enough money. But I want to challenge you and say there is something beautiful about the giving into your local church. What we saw back in South Africa was People had seen these big zeros and were thinking now it is better to send money back into the home church that I used to come. And then we had to talk about that and explain a little bit more the value of giving into the local church because it helps us to do a lot more things when you come in. Now, I understand we have about 200 giving centers with a church of over, over 700 of us. Fair enough, some may be couples that are giving. So let's say 350. 
So about half of us are giving, the other half is not giving into the local church. It is profitable for you, church, to begin to plant and to, to partner with us. The silence is coming now. <laughs> to partner and give. Again, your salvation is not dependent on your giving. Let's be very clear on that. But it is profitable for you to begin to partner with the local church. It will enable us to do far more things than what we, we are doing at the moment. To go into the community far more. Because more and more people are coming and partnering with us. This, this is... We look at the Bible, we understand the Bible, we contextualize it as well for us. These are the good works as well that you can partner with us here in uh, Reading Family Church and, and, and really see the goodness and the kindness of God. The list is long. We can talk about a lot of things. We can talk about life groups as well, uh, the number of people in life groups. I think there's still a lot of room for a lot of us to be in, in the life group. To join our RFC3, this is something that we really believe, small little groups. I, I think we have a lot of new people, some may know, some may not know. Three groups, groups of three or four, a little bit more, where we come together and just share the word of God, reach the, read the word of God together, pray together, and see what God is doing in even smaller groups. We have different types of groups that, or, or different types of programs that we have as a church, from Torch to Chapter 2 to CAP uh, to Rainbows, you, you name them. A lot of different aspects that you can come and partner with us. These things are profitable when you begin to put your time into them. Begin to partner and, and, and trust God to move into these different dimensions as well. The last part I want to talk about so I don't uh, continue laboring this point. I really just want to talk about those that are also watching online. Now, there are people who are watching online for different reasons. But we still have a, a number of uh, people who have not yet come back into the room from COVID. Your salvation is not dependent on you not coming into the room. But there's something beautiful when we all worship together, when you can bump and, and rub hands with this person next to you, when you hear them shout out, holy, holy are you, God, when you hear them, it does good your soul. And I want to encourage you to come back into the room and see what God is doing. It is profitable for you to come and worship with your brothers and your sisters alongside as well with them. So these are some of the things that the Word of God, uh, and I, I feel we need to change our gears a little bit as a church because it is profitable for us. It is a good thing for us. We need to change that level and begin to plug in. Now, the Spirit may be bringing some other things into your spirit that you need to look at and see, okay, how am I doing in this area? I cannot be the same I was three years to where I am today to where I'm going. I need some gear changes. There are certain things I need to do. I'm trusting God that through this as well, there will be some next steps that you need to take that are personal for you, and you know what you need to do as an individual. Then the second part, Titus is beginning to talk about uh, the unprofitable things as well. So he, it reads from uh, verse 9 to 11, it says, but avoid foolish controversies genealogies, uh, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is uh, warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. What I find interesting here is Paul has given this letter to Titus. Titus is this man who's, uh, who's uncircumcised. In the Jewish culture, he would have been disqualified to be speaking and talking about this, this gospel, and he's coming to deliver it. 
to the people of Crete. And they could have spent hours on end arguing even about the whole circumcision versus uncircumcision piece that we have moved away from. And I think likewise it's the same that we can find ourselves still arguing over and over, even around the law and what the law has to say. But I love the, the beautiful reminder that we had this morning about Christ and Him inviting us, taking us from away from being slaves and servants and wanting to be a friend of us. That is a timely message that was important and necessary for us as a church to hear. Because quarreling and going back into the mentality of, of, of slave and being enslaved by the law is unprofitable for you, is unprofitable for you and me. And so I just want to, to look at another text. This text is, is very long, so I, I chose not to read it. But I want to encourage you and say, go back home and just look at Romans chapter 6 and, and hear what God is, is saying even through that. I'm going to pick uh, one or two verses. I, I don't think they'll do full justice, so that's why I say, please go home and, and read the text. Uh, but essentially, this is, this is Paul who's also writing... He's questioning himself. He has now understood the gospel of grace, the message that we, have, we, we also learned from last week. He has fully grasped it, and, and now he's just asking some questions, so our clarification is even deeper. And it starts by saying, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, he answers himself. How can we who died in sin uh, still live in it? Then I put three, two, uh, two additional verses, three and four, that I don't think you'll see on the screen. Uh, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, um, therefore, with him uh, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead and by the glory of our Father, we too may walk into the newness of life. And then verse um, 15 and 16 says... Um, and then, are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. How do you not know, uh, 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 do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? I think the picture that Paul is, is, is trying to show us here is, yes, we were once those who were enslaved to sin who were living by the law and the importance of the law, those over 600 uh, different types of law. We are reading uh, Sarah and I, the, the Bible in a year, just going through all those uh, things, and I'm just like, wow. I thank God I'm in the dispensation of grace. This would have been really tough to keep and to, to, to be able to, to obey. But that dispensation has come to us. It is as if you, you were married, once married to law, once married to that behavior, it has died, you have risen by Christ. So now you are new, totally new, married to Jesus, married to the message of grace. And so law has no hold, has no hold on you. And what would have happened then would, has no hold on you. Sin also has no hold on you. Righteousness is already credited to you. This is important. And so when we spend time arguing about all these uh, different types of things, it is unprofitable for you as an individual. It is unprofitable for us as a church. Yesterday, Sarah and I went to... Um, uh, to the Reading Museum just to see uh, this place and understand a little bit more about our history. And I saw a piece that read and said um, Reading is one of the most diverse places uh, that we have in the world. I also had what Joe was sharing even about the different uh, inequality gaps that we have in, uh, in Reading. And I was reflecting on that and, and thinking we have a lot of different people who are coming from, from different 
uh, places and also different backgrounds in this particular church. There will be small nuances, things that will happen, things that I may say uh, that may be a little bit offensive or don't, doesn't really gel with you simply because of my own upbringing and where I come from. But the prevailing culture that we need to have as a church is what the Word of God says. It is a gospel of grace, not where I come from. I, I just need to say this, that it is not, the, the prevailing culture should not be the culture of the British that will be the majority here. The prevailing culture should be the culture, the Word of God. And oftentimes, we are stuck in these small little things of, because of the differences that we have. And they are so unprofitable because we end up in different types of arguments that do not profit us as a church. Why don't we begin to reflect on this and to think, yes, we will have small little differences, but together as a unit, we are much more better. When we move in unity, God commands a blessing. He will do great and awesome things for us as Reading Family Church beyond what you have ever dreamt or imagined because we are looking to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And so when we spend time arguing about these funny things, about maybe my dress code, or <laughs> then we miss what God is doing in our midst, focusing on where, you know, the, the small little differences. I want to challenge us this morning, church, and say it is important to focus on the profitable things. It is important to also reflect and think about the not-so-profitable things that we have spent a lot of energy and time looking at that we need to stop as well and change. Even arguments about the law, as they would have argued even about, about Titus, ETC. It is time to reflect and think about that. So I'm going to call um, the band, and I'm going to summarize what I was saying this morning and really trust God to come as well uh, and minister to us. I believe that what I'm sharing is more of an individual message. It's a message that you need to reflect on. I believe that all of us who are sitting here will have something that we need to change from a gear perspective to do something. Perhaps you're still new into the life of a church. Your next step may be just to get in, just to start serving. Perhaps you have been with us for five, ten years. And your next step may be to give, maybe to come to prayer meeting, maybe to join a life group. What is the Spirit of God saying to you today? Because these things, as you start to do them, will lead to profit in your life. They will be good for you. Prayer is good for you. When you come to pray corporately with others, it will do your soul well. It will improve the relationship and the prayer life that you have with Christ more than when you are by yourself. Giving will do you well, my brother, my sister. It will open floodgates of heaven like never before, I can assure you. This place is, is really fertile land. Come and partner with us. Come and see what God has to do as we reach out all these inequalities, as, as Joe really explained about Reading. We can do so much more together when you come and we partner with us. Is it time for you, my sister, my brother, to join a life group? You have been thinking about it for a very long time. But it is profitable for you to come and join a small group where you look at the Word of God together and you grow together. We have to grow, church. We have to grow. We have to grow. We have to grow. We cannot remain the same. We have to grow. We have to become more like Him. We have to become more like Christ. We have to be transformed by the Word of God. It's a Word that needs to come. And when you come every Sunday, you can't live the same. You can't live the same. You have to be transformed by the Word of God. Is it time for you to consider joining a a life group? Is it time for you, my brother, my sister, who is not yet back in the room, to consider coming back into the room? 
It will profit you. It will do you well. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you as your brothers and sisters raise their hands with you. What is that next step that you need to take, church, that will be profitable for you as an individual, as a family? What is it that you need to think about to dwell on, to, to trust God to speak into your heart, whatever he's saying? Will you be courageous to take that next step? Or could it be that there are certain things that are unprofitable for you that you need to stop? Quarrels, arguments that do not add value. When you look at the bigger picture, the prevalent culture is the word of God and what he says to us. Are you arguing about something that will determine life and death? Are you arguing about something that will take you to heaven or not? What is it that you need to stop also in your life? I want to encourage you and say, when we begin to understand the gospel of grace, it transforms us, it changes us. God left us something that is a differentiator for us, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit produces fruit. We have to see fruit as a church. We have to see love. We have to see patience. You have to be transformed and become gentle, gentle in nature. <laughs> if you are not yet there, trust God. If you are not yet patient, trust God. Come, Spirit of God. I need more of that. You have to be transformed. It is profitable for you. And the Bible says when you begin to produce that fruit, against that there is no law that applies. How can you put law to someone who's patient? What will it do? They're already driving at 60 miles in a 70 miles. What, can, what is the purpose of law? They're so patient in their nature. That is what the word of God does. It transforms us. It changes us. Could it be aspects of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that you need to reflect on this morning and say, I need more of this. I need more of your spirit, God. I need to be transformed and be more like you. I am struggling with gentleness. What is it that you're struggling with and God is calling you this morning to reflect? Because that which you focus on will lead to profit in your life. Profiting like never before, not just physical, but it will do you good. It will do your soul well. And so as we sing together this morning, reflect, I, I just want to challenge you and call you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. It is time, church, to change the gears. It is time to get into that motorway and join what God is doing. Do not miss out and remain on the on-ramp, the on still waiting to come in. Trust God this morning to speak to you and for our lives to be transformed.